How's everyone doing? Good. Really excited to be here. I'm really excited to see all the new faces. Where, where's all the Malaysian kids are? Where are they? Yeah, I noticed. So whenever I came to SNU, I saw a bunch of Malaysian faces, and then uh, I don't see them anymore. But do we have new Malaysians? Oh yeah, come on, new Malaysians. <laughs> don't be shy. But also, you know, people from all over the world, and I know that this is such an uh, international group. A lot of new people, but let's say hi later. But uh, like um, Rona introduced me, my name is Myung Hwa Choi. Uh, I, I am a pastor in New Philly. Um, that's all you need to know, right? <laughs> I'm younger than you think. <laughs> I could pass as a student on the bus, you know, coming from Seoul National University Silver Station. Um, but definitely... Uh, it's good to be here. Uh, today, I have a very um, interesting message for you. And I, as I was preparing, the first few sentences that I wrote down go like this, okay? You're not going to like this sermon. And I wrote afterwards, I don't want to preach this sermon either. <laughs> and then I went on and on and on. But then as I walked in, and then I was thinking about this message on the way here, those words are actually not true. And I think uh, this is a word that many of you actually need. And I think you're going to love it. And I'm going to love preaching it as well. But it's definitely a sobering type of message. It's not a sermon that you're going to hear and feel good about yourself and go home. But it's like a sermon that comes with like a homework that you got to follow through on. So it's something that if you don't like homework, you might feel like, oh, I don't want to listen to it. But it's what you need. So I'm going to bring the word Word of God that you need, not you, not what you want, um, and I think it's a crucial message for end time generation. Do you guys believe that Christ is coming back soon? Yes. And I, I'm, I'm hoping, and I believe that many of us are here are believers. That's why here we're here. If you are not, that's fine. You could come talk to us later. But I think it's a sermon that needs to be preached um, to remind the believers uh, that it is truly an end time, and then you gotta have this to survive the tribulation that is coming, you know? And I'm a part of end-time end generation myself, but you are, like, closer. You're, like, ender time, whatever. End-time, closer, closer to end-time generation. So I really believe that uh, it's going to bless you. Uh, let's turn to uh, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, we're going to read verses 41 to 52. I have ESV, uh, English Standard Version of the Bible. So I'm going to be reading, and you could just kind of listen to it, and you could just follow with me with your eyes. Verses 41 to 52. So this is a um, story of Jesus as a boy. So he's about 12 years old, and there are very few stories of Jesus written in the Bible about Jesus' childhood. So there's a story of his um, public ministry. The whole New Testament, uh, the, the four Gospels are all about Jesus. You know, he's age 30 to 33, uh, the three years of his public ministry. And then there are stories and accounts of his birth, you know, how the... the 
how he was born and then the Virgin Mary getting pregnant and all that stuff. You know, you guys know about those, right? So it's about mostly about his birth and then his ministry, but then there's a huge gap. Birth to age 30, there's a huge gap and there's not much written about it. So this is one of very few written accounts about Jesus' childhood. So we're going to meet him at age 12. All right, so chapter 2, verses 41, I'm going to start reading. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among uh, their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him. After three days, uh, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. Amen. So this story is pretty straightforward, right? Jesus is about 12 years old, and then they went to Jerusalem together. So it's about a day's journey. So they were traveling together with a whole bunch of people. The whole community was traveling together. And then uh, after the Passover, after they celebrated Passover in Jerusalem, the holy city, they were returning back to their city, and Jesus, this young boy, he dared to stay behind in Jerusalem without telling his parents. Oh, trouble, trouble, you know? And then on the journey, uh, this uh, scripture says, Mary and Joseph, the parents of Jesus, they assumed that Jesus will be somewhere in the group because they're traveling in groups, you know? Sometimes you don't know who's really missing, who's here, who's not here. You know, it may when you guys go out to eat after church or after lunch group, is everyone here? But there's really no way to check like if every individual is here in the group, you know? So it's like kind of like because of the hassle, you know, big group traveling, Jesus was kind of like, lost and then he was missing but the parents did not know that so verse uh, 46 so this is a quite significant passage it's not just about jesus a little boy getting lost and finding his parents but this is actually a very prophetic message as well if you think about it the the verse 46 it says jesus was found after three days so he got lost right and then the parents traveled for a day and then they went back to Jerusalem. It took another day. And then the third day, they were searching for him and finally found him in the temple, which is a house of God. And so three days. It's quite significant. And um, Jesus is saying in verse 49, why were you looking for me, parents? Mom and dad, why are you searching for me? And I'm like, boy, because you are missing. <laughs> You're kidding me, you know? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And then the parents did not understand what he was saying. But, you know, hint, hint, three days. And this happened right after Passover. 
Do you guys know what Passover is? For Israelites, like for the for the um, the Hebrew people, Passover is a day, a uh, 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 season of celebration to celebrate the uh, what's that? Exodus, coming out of slavery, out of Egypt, you know. You guys know about that story in the Bible, in uh, Exodus, you know, how they were under slavery and then how God delivered them out of Egypt, right? So Passover is a season to celebrate that. So people that were under slavery and then Passover is coming out of it. And then this was a season of Passover. And Passover, and then after three days, uh, Jesus was found. So if you really uh, study the scripture, this is kind of like a um, shadowing of Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. So 12-year-old boy, Jesus is pretty much giving them a preview that because Jesus was crucified on Passover as well as a lamb of God. And it's not all the coincidence, but it was leading up. And Jesus was kind of giving Mary and Joseph a heads up. You know, mom, if I'm ever missing on Passover, don't worry. You know, so he's like kind of giving them the message that in three days I'll be found and I will still be in the father's house. So don't worry. You know, have you ever connected those dots? How considerate this little boy disappeared on purpose to give the prophetic message, you know, not just to his parents, but to us as well. That it wasn't all that coincidence that Jesus got crucified and he was resurrected in three days. And, you know, it's all systematically planned out. So three days and Passover. So this is a very crucial passage, but that's not today's message at all. Not my focus at all, but that's just an extra for you to take it home and study more. But for, verse 43, let's focus on this. Uh, you, you can look at it with me. Verse 43, it says this. When the feast was ended, talking about the Passover, right? As they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, um, they went a day's journey. So to give you a little bit more uh background back in those days when they would travel they traveled in groups called caravan 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 uh children women and older people were in the center so because they are weak and they're kind of slower so children older people and the women were kept in the center and then the men would go ahead and behind so it was kind of sandwiched with the men group, you know. So probably Joseph was at front or at the back, the father. And then Mary and the children were in the middle group, right, in the center group. And I'm sure Joseph was thinking, oh, he's prob- Jesus is probably with Mary. And Mary probably was thinking, oh, he's probably with his other boys, you know, hanging out somewhere in the group. And that's how they kind of like missed the fact that he was missing. But here is my question for you. Did you know that you could go about the day and spend the entire day without even thinking about Jesus once? Some of you did it today. Some of you, you didn't even think about Jesus once. You didn't even talk to him once today. Maybe some of you thought about Emmaus you know, you had a Mayus large group in your scheduler, in large group, and then, oh, fellowship, go eat afterwards. You thought about Emmaus, you thought about fellowship, you thought about even maybe sermon, who the preacher is, but some of you didn't even give a thought to Jesus himself. It's very, very possible 
Spending the entire day without exchanging a single conversation with him is very possible. So I'm not calling you out and telling you that you're probably not saved. That's not what I'm trying to say. You know, the fact that you may go about a day without thinking about it, without conversing with him, doesn't mean that you're not saved. Okay? Do you guys believe that Jesus is the only son of God that came to die for your sin and be resurrected and now sitting with the Father? Do you guys believe that? Do you guys believe that he's the only way and life and truth? Do you believe that he's your Savior and the Lord? All right, if you, if you are solid in that, you are saved, okay? I'm not calling that you are not saved. If you believe in all those things, and if he's the Lord of your life, you're probably saved. Praise the Lord. <laughs> you know, and I don't want to shake up your assurance of salvation. That's not my agenda at all. So please stop associating it with your salvation. Maybe I'm not saved or anything, okay? I'm not even saying that you don't love Jesus if you didn't think about him today. Okay, Mary and Joseph, I'm pretty sure, as parents, loved Jesus more than anything else. You know, oh, our boy Jesus. I'm pretty sure Mary loved him, Joseph loved him. They forgot about Jesus, not because they don't love him. It's just, it's possible in situations like this. Do you guys agree that we live in a busy world? Life at SNU is pretty hectic. Oh, is it pretty bad? Exams? Oh, my life at ER was pretty crazy too, but I wonder what's worse. Uh, when I was in college, my life was quite hectic. Deadlines, papers, exams, um, group projects. That was my least favorite. Uh, group projects, uh, meeting with all these kids and, you know, I always ended up taking more work than other kids. And I always felt bitter afterwards and, you know, some of those kids don't show up. But then, you know, I feel bad for leaving their name out and I ended up putting it up. We all get the same grades, you know what I'm talking about? <sighs> anyways, those days are over. Mm, I know. Anyways, we live in a busy, busy day. And Seoul, the city, Korea, you know, a lot of things are going on. So I am saying anyone, any believer can fall into this. Even genuine believers that love the Lord, even the genuine believers that really desire to follow Him, we sometimes fall into this pattern of not really engaging with Jesus throughout the day. And today, I just want to talk about that. And today's sermon title, I titled it as Me and Jesus. If you're going to write it down, write it down. Me and Jesus. So many times there are faithful Christians that are fulfilling every religious duty they are serving in every team, but they are surrounded with group of believers, but the me and Jesus relational aspect is often neglected. You know, some of them say, but I serve him all day. I serve him, you know, by doing all these things, you know. And this is a really wonderful, like, analogy, like, illustration. Uh, there is a friend of mine, she's married um, to a pastor, so... She, uh, she's been married for about three years, four years, and then they're happily married. They're married, she's married to a really, really great man of God. And, um, but his language, the love language, you guys know what love languages are? 
Right? It's how you express your love, okay? And then the husband, his main love language was acts of service. That means he loves to serve, he loves to do things for uh, the wife uh, in order to express love. So he did everything he could do. You know, he works really hard to make money for the family. He doesn't do that for himself, right? For the baby and for the wife. And then he takes care of the house. You know, he nails things and he fixes things and he does dishes and everything he could do to serve the family. And that's the way he was expressing love. But then they once had a confrontation because the wife was so very unhappy with the relationship. She felt like she was left out. She felt like she was not loved. She felt She's just unloved by the husband. And the husband was like, what are you talking about? What about all these things that I'm doing for you? Don't you see that I'm working my butt off? Don't you see that I'm fixing and I'm going around doing all this stuff for you? But then there was that um, relational aspect that was just missing. And I think the husband just, just missed that part. You know, what the wife was desiring was more daily conversation, you know, a little bit of more interactions on cacao, maybe more frequent phone calls and, you know, before like bedtime, talking more, you know, spending more time together and things like that. So if you kind of think about it like that, um, you could kind of apply that to our relationship with Jesus. What he wants is not your hands. What your hands could put together or what you could do, what he wants is mainly your heart. He wants your heart. You know, like I said earlier, Joseph and Mary were on the way back from Jerusalem. That is a very, uh, like, custom. According to the custom, they went to Jerusalem. And then, you know, pretty much it's like this. Us going to, like, an Easter service. It's us going to, like, a Christmas service. You know, oh, there's a... There's big service we got to go to. It's us going to Emmaus Lodge Group, uh, going to Familia, going to Sunday worship, us tithing, all these religious duties and things that good Christians are supposed to be doing. You know, Joseph and Mary didn't miss out on that. They were doing it, but in the midst of it, you could still miss giving him your heart. You could still be at the service and doing everything that others are doing without even thinking about him or without even being in conversation with him. It's very possible. So the fact that you're serving hard doesn't necessarily mean that you are walking with him on a daily basis. Does that make sense? You could be serving on praise team. You could be serving on prayer team, tech team, whatever team you're serving at. We could do all those things without giving a thought to the presence of Jesus in your life. That, just like the husband, you could be doing everything you could do, but then still your heart is, you know what? His heart was not missing. Let me not twist the story. But, you know, on the wife's end, she felt very unloved. So, what he desires mainly, he wants your heart. You know, we go to all these services and we have great encounters, you know. Oh, yeah, we heard good sermon, the powerful worship. Oh, fellowship was so much fun and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then some of us, we kind of just like check out. Okay, see you next week. And then we say see you next week to Jesus as well. 
oh, I'll see you next week. And then you just go about and do just live, you know, normal life Monday to Saturday. And then Sunday you're back, oh, hi, Jesus again. You know, entire week of just absence in the relationship. And, you know, and when we sing, we call him, you're my best friend, you're my lover. You know, I need you more than my next breath. Whatever. <laughs> you know, so many of us, we are doing it. And I'm not here to condemn you for that. I'm also guilty of it as well. You know, but we really shouldn't be saying to you next week. Bye, Jesus. No, we got to go home with him. You know, we got to go home with him. Another thing that um, often we think, you know, it's kind of like deception, but I'm with church people all the time. I'm really involved with Emmaus. Yeah, I hang out with my Christian friends all the time. We talk about Jesus all the time, you know. We always at church events, and, you know, that's what keeps me busy. Come on. But being with church friends all the time, really involved with Emmaus, really involved with my church, not good indication of your daily walk with Jesus at all. Not good indication at all. Hey, I work for a church. And I live with church friends. And I, um, and I hang out with church friends. That's all the friends that I have, by the way. <laughs> you know? And I talk about him all the time. But that does not mean that I have intimate, daily, ongoing relationship with my Jesus. Not good indication at all. And sometimes we deceive ourselves to think, oh, I must have really solid relationship with him because I'm with my church friends all the time. Not good indication. you got to really check your heart. How many times we end up talking about Jesus all day long without talking to him once? Yeah, he did this, he did that, he's this, he's that. Talk about church and events and all these things, ministry. But then, at the, by the end of the day, only, only conversation you have him with, like, good night, Jesus. Thank you for this food three times a day. <laughs> you know, bless our fellowship and let it nourish our bodies, but not, you know, allow us not gain weight, all that, you know, before meal prayers, you know, three times a day and then good night prayer. So many times that's just how we treat him. It's like the like a leftover, you know. He's like, what is he? Like a before meal angel or something, you know? Sometimes we really treat him that way. Treat him that way, you know. So I'm just saying, being with church people all the time is not that does not mean that you are walking with him in intimacy. That's all I'm trying to say. Do you guys have ever? Did you guys ever have? Like a crew or like a group of friends that you belong to. Oh, I'm the one of five of, or one of the seven 86 sisters, okay? I belong to this group called Paiyuk Sisters because I was born in 86. I just revealed it to you guys. It's okay. Um, but <laughs> um, I'm part of this group called 86 Sisters, okay? And then it's seven of us. And man, you might want to edit it out. If any of, any of them hear this, they'll be hurt. Ah, dang it. <laughs> I'll just be real, okay? None of them will listen to this. Um, You know, when the seven of us are together, we're like besties forever. Okay? We're like, oh, the seven of us, we're laughing, we're sharing all these stories, we're like, oh, best friends forever. And, you know, there are times where I'm left with just one of them. Okay? And let's say Michelle's one of them, okay? And then Michelle and I, somehow, we ended up just kind of like hanging out one-on-one. And I just feel, oh, awkward. 
Because I'm so used to being in that group, the circle of friends, and I never really built a deep relationship personally with her one-on-one. So even though we belong to the same group, you know, you won't ever, you guys ever been on like a mission trip? Oh man, the 10 people become one family, but have you ever hung out with them one-on-one? One of them? Oh, that's awkward, you know? Now, when it's just 10 of us, 12 of us, it's like the party, best time ever. But then when it's just one-on-one or like a three of us, it's a dynamics completely different because there is no substantial, deep, personal relationship in it. And many of us have relationship like that with Jesus as well. Me, my Emmaus friends, and him, we are close. We are tight. We are best friends forever. But when it, when you're left with just Jesus in you, in your room, awkward. <laughs> oh, what do I say? What do I pray? What do I sing? You know, sometimes you just feel like, oh, there is not substantial, like, deep relationship between me and him necessarily. Because we're so used to being in the crew being in the circle of friends, my church, my campus ministry, and things like that. When you get so much of us in Jesus' time, and there is no balanced match for me and Jesus' time, that's what ends up happening to many, many believers. You know, you're so used to corporate time of worship. You know, it's so good when the band is up, the drummer's going hard, you know, electric guitar's going crazy. You know, there are like three singers and they're lifting up their hands and, you know, jumping up and down. How easy is it for you to go with it and just do the same thing? You know, corporate worship, corporate time of prayer. Man, Rona grabs the mic and tells you to go around and anoint the chairs with your tears and, you know, pray for every chair to be filled. By the way, you did that every single time I preached here. Isn't that weird? Maybe. Yeah, weird. So, so interesting. It was like my third time seeing that happening. So I thought you do it every single week. But anyways, <laughs> hover over the chairs and <laughs> cry over the chairs. But anyways, you know, how easy is it when everyone else is shouting out their, you know, guts out and, you know, like they're praying for salvation of this person, that person, Jesus, this, Jesus, that. And you just kind of like go along with it like, yes, you know, <laughs> you just kind of go buck wild with them. It's kind of. Ah, doable, right? Corporate prayer. But it's spoiling you, I'm telling you. Fellowship, even Bible study. When there's like an awesome Bible study leader, you know, like Sarah is like telling you, read up this passage, memorize that. This and that connects together. Oh, here's the revelation. It this, it that. How easy is it for you to study and get to know? But when you get so used to that us and Jesus time, and when you are just left with you and him alone, you don't know where to turn to. You know, you don't know how to worship. You don't know how to pray. You don't know how to read the Bible or study the Bible at all. Because so, you're so used to someone leading you in that group setting. And then one-on-one, you just feel like, ah, this is really awkward. You know, I don't know what to do with you. So when there's no mediator, when there's no leader, when there is no one that's like leading that group for you, you don't know what to do. You can feel the presence of God when you are with other people. And when other people set the atmosphere for you, you can't do that in your room because you just feel like, oh, I'm not used to this. You know, but I don't know what to talk about. You know, that's like a worst feeling when you meet up with a friend that you think you are close to. But then when you actually sit down, you're just eating your food. 
And they're, how, how was your week? Oh, yeah, 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 I know, I know. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, what about this person, that person? You end up talking about other people's lives the whole time. Yeah, and then you just pay for the food and leave. You know, isn't that how sometimes your quiet time goes? You don't know what to talk to him about. You end up praying for, like, interceding for a whole bunch of friends. You know, Michelle this and Sarah that and Bora this and humble her and, <laughs> you know, oh, Chris, hum- help him, Lord. And a bunch of talk about other people and then that's the end of your quiet time, you know. Oh, and um, nothing else to say. Good night. Go to bed. You know, we end up just being so used to us and Jesus and not really know how to deal with me and Jesus. That intimacy is definitely needed. And I think the key is really balance. Everyone say community. There is a huge, huge emphasis and importance on community. I'm talking about local church, group of believers. You must have a group of people around you that will run the race with you. Let me tell you, that will make your life easier. You know, some people say, oh, you don't, you never confess your sin to people. You only do it to the Lord. You know, it's all about just you and Jesus. No, it's about you and him, the vertical relationship, but it's also horizontal. You and the brothers and sisters. You know what? For a happy family to exist, you can't just have good relationship with mother and father. You gotta have good relationship with your siblings. You know, if, if, if you are like enemies with your siblings and you have good relationship with the father, that doesn't form a good family. Do you guys agree? It's gotta be horizontal and vertical at the same time. But some, so many of us, we're like treating other believers like, oh, I don't need you in my life. You know, there's a stranger. I see you in heaven, but not here. Type of, you know? type of, you know, community is not that important. It's all about me and Jesus. That is not true, guys. Bible has huge emphasis on the community, the body. We are one, brothers and sisters. We're not just going to be together in heaven, but in here we can have meaningful relationships. People that's not going to judge you for your sins. People that will Look at you the way God sees you and speak life over you. You need that. Without community, a person, a child cannot grow in a healthy way. So some of you, I feel like here, you need that community desperately. And you've been kind of running away from it or just neglecting it because you've been too busy. But let me tell you, you need that community in your life. People that you could be open about, open towards, you need Emmaus in your life. It's pretty much what I'm trying to say. You need familia, not just the people that will worship next to you, but people who actually, who actually speak into your life. A leader that will tell you when you do something wrong, hey, let me correct you on it. Every single person needs that kind of voice in your life. You can't do this on your own. So I want to just encourage you, if you've been just kind of like in and out, you know, treating these people that are here kind of like, oh, I don't really want to let you in my life. And the wall, the invisible wall is just there. I mean, that's how I used to be. You know, I was like that. I mean, I'll be nice to you, but, you know, that's it, you know. And I was extremely closed, by the way. And even to my best friend right now, my best friend who's pregnant and been married for three years, crazy. But she goes to the same church with me. But when she first approached me, I didn't even give her my phone number. That's how I, how closed I was, you know. I'll be nice. I'll give you my smile. But then you can't really get into my real life, my real feelings and things like that. And I think it's very important for us to let down the wall and those people to come in and you know, really be God's 
God's voice in your life. And that community is absolutely necessary. But as important as the community is, guys, here's the thing. It's also, there's also danger of community. Danger of community is what I'm kind of talking about today. That having a community is extremely important, but be sure to always find a community. So always make sure that you're in a community. But, however, don't let the community replace your personal relationship with Jesus. So many examples around me even. I've seen so many people that were heavily involved in their college ministries in college or their church, their youth group, all sorts of things. But they fall away from God. They end up drifting away from their faith after they graduate high school or college. Because they were so involved in the community but not with really Jesus. You know, there was that group going on. Us and Jesus was so strong, but there was no me and Jesus. So after graduation, after you lose those friends, there's nothing left. And then you end up drifting away from the Lord. And there was no substance actually in it. I know of a brother that was like a president of the college ministry, okay? And right after graduation, he just went backsliding, hardcore. And he just lived like a like a non-believer for years. And then he finally returned to the Lord, you know? So being in community, don't, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Don't let that replace your relationship with him. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So while you're in community, help each other to continue to build a private and personal relationship with him. You know, not saying do it on your own. It's all about me and Jesus. No, I'm talking about how balance is the key. Everyone say balance. balance. Everything, everything about the truth of God, all about balance. You got to have the balance in your life. Community. You got to know how important it is, but you got to also know the danger of community as well. So that balance is very key. So, so many of us are strong in us and Jesus. Or, many of you here, maybe you are stronger in me and Jesus. And you don't really have us and Jesus going on. So, I guess that's the, that's the message. Whichever one you take, I want to really encourage you, take, um, take one and grow in both areas. You know, us, Jesus, and me, Jesus, there's got to be that balance. Without that, Man, I don't know what's going to happen. This is end times, okay? There's no guarantee that this group's going to be together forever. You know, there's no guarantee that your group of friends are going to be together forever. See, a whole bunch of Malaysians, they left, and they're all, like, split up now. <laughs> you know, they, they probably thought, oh, the Malaysian brothers and sisters, we're going to be here forever. No, not at all, right? Some of them went to KU. Some of them went to Yonsei. You are. Oh, goodbye, you know? So the importance of community and the danger of community, you got to have the balance in your head. I'm going to use an example of Apostle Peter. Peter was one of the 12 disciples that Jesus chose, right? And um, he was also one of the inner circle of Jesus as well. So inner circle, it means three of them, John, Peter, and James. Uh, they were like privileged to be at certain crucial moments, key moments, and Jesus took those three, and then they were privileged to be there with him. So pretty much Jesus' best buddies, his disciples, you know, and Peter was one of those three. Man, he was one privileged man, you know. One of three. One of 
millions of people that are in the world, you know, who's one of the chosen ones, you know, closest ones to Jesus. And Peter was in a, such a powerful community. Would you guys agree? He was at like all sorts of miracles happening. He walked on the water. He saw all sorts of miracles that Jesus did. And he probably felt like, I could do anything and everything. I'm going to own this world, you know? Pretty sure all 12 of them felt that way. Even the community that was around them, the, the women, the, the, the children that kind of followed Jesus around, I, I bet they felt like, wow, this is like a powerful community. We could do anything and everything with, with him, you know? And Peter was a center in the center of the powerful community you know and then he is very confident in this as well so you know when jesus is like washing the feet of the disciples right before he goes to the cross like he says bold things i will never betray you jesus you know and well you know he's really really confident in his faith but guess what jesus was arrested he now is in trial all the disciples are scattered the community that looked perfect and, oh, we're going to be like this forever, is all now split up. You don't know where they are. You know, if you read it, Peter's kind of like, damn, what do I do now? You know, and when that time came, you know, when Jesus was like in trial and like Peter like was wandering around and then these people are like, oh, won't you? One of the men that were with Jesus, you know, this girl's asking, and he's like, no, I don't know him. He denies right then and there. You know, he wasn't able to do it. You know, he couldn't be all confident as he was when he was with the group of friends, the group of disciples, you know. And that's what I'm saying. Like, the power of a community is... It makes you feel like you could do anything and everything with this family, with this group. There's that synergy. There's that faith building up. We encourage one another. But I am saying that when that is taken away, when you're alone, sometimes we feel powerless because the community is missing. Sometimes you feel like you are disabled because I'm not with my friends. I'm not with them anymore, you know? And and I... The, the point of this is what Peter had to go through, we don't have to go through the same thing. We could continue to develop us and Jesus type of uh, corporate world, but also your private, personal relationship with him needs to continue to grow. Do you think you need to grow in this area? Then say amen. amen. If you didn't say amen, you're lying. Because <laughs> like, I gotta say amen as well. Amen. Man, my public life and my private life needs to be at similar level. But it's so much easier for me to be better in my public life and be slack in my personal life. I'm just being brutally honest. Even as a pastor, it's a struggle. You know, I wish I, I was same or even better in my private life, but it's not always true. It's like up and down, up and down. When it's really down, it's down, down, down. And then sometimes it goes up and I go strong for a season and up and down. It's a struggle. So that's why I'm saying everyone needs to be reminded of this truth. Because you really are living in the end times. I'm telling you. We got to be a generation that is really, really strong in this intimate relationship with him. So how can we develop this daily, private, intimate um, relationship with Jesus. You guys want to find out? 
I mean, these are not like the three, but these are uh, three of many that I would suggest that really helped me that I want to share with you. First one is small talk. Small talks with Jesus throughout the day. And I think if you think about friendship, friendship is all about being intentional. There's no, I mean, I, I guess there are some like people that can call each other soulmates. You know, we just click the moment we met and we're BF it forever. Good for you, okay. But <laughs> I think majority of friendship that you will build on earth, it will take you being intentional. Trying to be there for the friend, reaching out to the friend, things like that. So for example, you know, if I were to really want to be intentional with my friend, I will uh, click out the person, I will call on my friend, I'll write on the Facebook wall, things like that, you know, and not just once in a while meet up and like catch up, catch up, catch up, but like throughout the day or throughout the week, checking up on each other. And I think that really communicates something really powerful, that I care about your life, that I want to be part of your daily life. You know, it's some, it's a powerful reminder. And, um, you know, I really, I don't like this when friends do this to me. Like, cacaoing me only when they need something. Oh, how does that make you feel? Do you guys like that? When friends like texting you and they need something. Hey, oh, what is, where, where, what's our reading report? You know, like, what are the pages? Hey, what's the homework for this class, by the way? You know, hey, where, where is her, the professor's room? Like, I hated it. Anyways, not just when you need something, but just because, just for the sake of relationship. And I think that's what needs to happen between us and Jesus as well. Like, not just right before you take an exam, you just pray quickly, oh, Jesus, help me. (laughs) You know? Oh, and like, you know what I'm talking about? You know, you gotta stay up all night and, oh, Lord, help me. (laughs) Help me to stay up, you know? And only when you need something, you call out his name. You know, that's like sending him like a quick call message, like, you know, help me. Help me for this. Help me for that. And then later on, you look through it, and it's all like you asking for help. And and I don't know. I don't think Jesus feels bitter about that, to be honest, because he's, he's God, right? But I'm sure that doesn't make him feel very loved. He has emotions too, you know? And I really want to encourage you to be intentional with him. Talk to him just for the sake of relationship. You know, maybe he wouldn't answer for certain things. Jesus, how are you feeling? (laughs) I don't know what he's going to say to that, right? But, you know, just for the sake of relationship, keeping him in loop in your daily life, not just when you need him. Give thanks to him for small things. When I was a new believer, when I first got saved, when I was in freshman year, I gave thanks to him for everything. It was overflow of my heart. You know what I was most thankful for? <laughs> Kid you not. It was sun. Sunshine. Sunshine. I was so thankful for that. Number two, I always gave thanks for air. Oxygen. Oxygen. You know that only Earth has the composition of the air that we have here, right? In Mars, you don't have oxygen. But only here. You know, if you, like, fly up into, like, however many feet up there, there's no oxygen there. You're going to die. You know, for some reason, there is perfect composition of different airs so that we can breathe freely and you never feel, um, like, suffocated. 
unless like you ran to catch a bus or something. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I always gave thanks for such things. God, you're so like meticulous, you know, the perfect composition of air. And I always gave thanks for that. And I always gave thanks for the trees in front of my dorms. Whenever I walk by them, colors changing. I thank God for green leaves and then yellow leaves and no leaves and then new leaves. And, you know, every season there was reason to be thankful for. I always gave thanks for that. When I tteokbokki, I gave thanks for tteokbokki. Like, I never took anything for granted, to be honest. I'm being really honest. And I miss that. Sometimes it's not quite the same, you know, as I'm like way into my, whatever, ninth year of walking with the Lord. I don't remember when was the last time I gave thanks for air or sunshine or I don't know, you know. And I... I'm learning that I gotta stir that up in my heart. You know, I gotta stir that up in my heart. I gotta awaken that first love in my heart. And gotta start talking to Him again. Give thanks to Him for small things. Don't take anything for granted. And be, you know, everyone likes to be appreciated, right? I bet Jesus loves it as well when we appreciate Him in our lives, you know? Thanking Him for His presence rather than crying out just for help. You know, before exams even, thank you for being here with me. I have peace in my heart. Thank you for being with me. You know, be intentional with him. Don't treat him like a genie in a bottle, you know, because he's not. And I think one another thing that really helped me uh, grow in intimacy with him is saying inappropriate things to God. What I mean by that is, Oftentimes, especially if you grew up in a very um, conservative church, there are things that you could say to God. There are things that you should never say to God. You know, like the holy religious language, and there is just your daily kind of like language, you know. And there is clear separation, and this is the only way you ought to talk to God with. And your, your daily vocabulary is just different, you know? The way you talk to your friends, your parents, to the people that are precious to you, and the way you talk to Jesus, the tone, if it's completely different, I want to challenge you. I wonder if there's really true intimacy, you know? Because the way I talk to my family, my friends, ones that I know that I'm safe with, and the way I would talk to a stranger, someone that's scary, uh, someone that's very new to me, it's completely different. But I'm sure Jesus will want you to talk to him the way you talk to your friends and your family and the way you would treat other people that you love. Why is there such separation? You know, why does your voice change so much? Or what makes you think that you can only talk to him when you're on your knees? You know, and I think if you notice that there's a such huge gap, I want to encourage you to close that gap. And, you know, Jesus that I know, he never got angry at me for talking too casually. I, to be honest, think he enjoys that. Me sharing my feelings, can I say such things to the Lord? I wondered a lot when I was a believer. I asked my small group leader, can I pray when I'm lying down? And I remember specifically asking my small group leader, okay, I was a new, brand new believer. I was afraid because I fell asleep during prayer. And then I remember Sunday morning, I rushed to her. Her name's Minsan Anni. Anni, 
I fell asleep in the middle of prayer and I didn't get to say in Jesus' name, amen at the end. <laughs> Is that okay? Was my question. I'm not kidding at all. You know? But she laughed at me and she said, oh, it's totally okay. He hears every single thing that comes out of your mouth. He knows you. He knows your heart. He's not upset at you. Don't worry. But my idea of God was so high up there. I had to only use the holy language, you know. Uh, hallowed be thy name and thine, all that stuff. D and I love D and whatever the old English that, you know, my Bible was written in. I didn't need that. I could say, I love you. I could say, Father, Daddy, Dad, Appa. He knows Korean too, by the way, okay? <laughs> you know, 사랑해요. It all works, okay? So if there, if you notice that there is too much of a gap in your, um, regular language and in your holy language, I want to encourage you to close that gap and try being more yourself with him. And don't try to be so holy and different, I guess. Can I say this to him? I wonder, you know, you guys ever read uh, Psalm, Book of Psalms? Yeah, David, King David, look at the King David. He vents to the Lord. Uh, he's not even like a saint of a New Testament, okay? He's not even a person of like a grace era, okay? It's before Jesus' time. It's King David in the Old Testament time where people are still killing animals and stuff, you know? Oh, the Lord is holy and he's exalted. He's crazy. He's scary, okay? When people like made li- little mistakes, you know, when people that were not supposed to touch the Ark of the Covenant and touched it and then they like fell, fell dead, that kind of God. But David had that kind of intimacy. He vents to the Lord, he calls himself blameless. And he says, those bad guys are accusing me for this and that. Like, this is a crazy book. But King David had the intimacy with God. He talked with honesty. You know? You know, be honest with your feelings when you pray. You don't have to, oh, like, make it beautiful, sugarcoat it all, you know, make it into, wrap it in a holy language. But you know what? Guess what? He just knows what's going on in your heart. You could wrap it with like whatever, whatever, holy language, but then he, he looks right through. He knows exactly what's going on in your heart. And he's like, hey, why all this fuss? Just be honest with me. Let's just talk. You know? That is, I think, very important. Small talks. Small talks throughout the day with him. Be intentional with him. Uh, second thing is um, kind of similar. Did I already go through second thing? You know what? doesn't matter. Another thing is <laughs> invite him into every activity of your day. Invite him into every activity of your day, not just religious things. Uh, you know, Jesus is invited to familia, large group, Sunday church service, and fellowship. That's the boundary. No, invite him to your eating time, your, fel- your hangout time, your movie watching time, your uh, shower time. Uh, your <laughs> bathroom time <laughs> invite him into every activity of your life you're studying, writing paper, commuting everything, bus ride why not? why is he only invited to quote unquote church related holy stuff invite him into you being in library, in your classroom time you talking to other people time every area of your life open it up to him give him uh, access to your life in its fullness um, one of the things that I really shocked me that I heard from a sister named Rona, <laughs> actually, 
a few years ago, she was talking about this and it struck me to the core. I was like, what? And I almost thought, this girl is a little, little, <laughs> little too crazy and crazy in love. But you know, when Rona was just talking, okay, she's just being herself. And she said this. <laughs> Can I share this? I don't know. She said, after she really like, came back to the Lord or something like that. She said, every... <laughs> okay, there's nothing weird about this, okay? I gotta stop making it into something weird. She said, every shower time was the most <laughs> intimate time with the Lord. <laughs> this is the reason why. She said she would just turn on the water and then she would just get on her knees and then she would just worship as the water just cleanses her. <laughs> Don't imagine it, okay? <laughs> Don't, no, no, no visual images, but <laughs> just imagine like, oh my. <laughs> you know, isn't that a beautiful image though? Don't imagine it. <laughs> oh man. Man, that, I was thinking about it, it almost made me cry, like, oh, <laughs> yeah, Rona was sharing how every single day she would just weep and weep, you know, because that water cleansing her really reminded her of Jesus just cleansing her of all her sin and all her past and all her wounds and pains, and she just felt that love of God just washing her away. You know, head to toe, like literally just washing away everything. Shame, condemnation, my past, my sin. It was such a beautiful image. And she would just sit there and just weep. You know, have you ever done that before? Well, I'm making a shower. I'm busy thinking about what to do today. And, you know, how stressful today was. And like, uh, you know, oh, man. But invite him into every activity of your daily life. And I really encourage you, especially when you're doing something related to academics. Really. Okay, my best friend that I talked about, uh, her name's Ju, okay? She was a top student in my department at Ihua, English Education Department. Uh, and in our class, she was number one student. She got all A+, plus, I think, all throughout the four years. No joke. Crazy girl. But she always gave Jesus access to her study times. So at times, you know, we would have to like pull off all nighter and we would just be stuck in the library all night. Your library opens 24-7, but then the door closes 12 to 5 in the morning. So we'll just literally be like stuck in there. We're just, we'll, you know, struggle through together. But she will always open her Bible first, meditate on scripture first, pray to Jesus, invite his presence, and then, he will, and then she will study. And guess what? She would just master it. She would just go crazy, like, be really, really good on all the exams. And then I just didn't understand how she did it. But the key was she really was, she is really a woman of intimacy. Now, even she's a teacher now, and even when she works, she carries the presence of God as she teaches, goes into classrooms with the presence of God, always inviting him to come and minister to the kids, minister to her. Like, she is so aware of the presence of God. Like, as much as she's aware of the presence of God at church, she's aware at home, she's aware at work, she's aware when she's meeting up with me. Like, that's something that I really admire her about. And I think that's something that we got to really really grab hold of. Even as students, learn to invite his presence as you're sitting and listening to lectures. 
you know, don't let your mind just wander away, but be aware that His presence is with you. You can be conversing with Him, invite Him into every activity of your day. He has access to everything in your life. Amen? I think that's very, very key. Um, another thing I wanted to share is that set aside time. This is something that uh, I'm sure many people already told you about, you know. Um, setting aside time, I set up like an alarm too. Like 10.45 is my like time to, okay, we're going to pray and then go to bed time. And my alarm goes off. Sometimes I'm still hanging out, you know, down at Hongdae. Well, not at clubs though. Uh, <laughs> you know, our office is at Hongdae, okay, okay? At a cafe, I was still like chatting with my friends. And sometimes I look at it and I'm just like, oh, sorry. I miss it today. You know, and I come home at 11.30 and I feel bad. But you know, that really in its essence, I, I just stood Jesus up. You know, I set an appointment with him, 10.45, daily. And I just pretty much said, um, you can wait. You know? And every time I do that, uh, I feel bad later, but then it's really hard. So it's definitely something that we got to discipline ourselves to be able to do and make it uh, realistic. Guys, don't like tomorrow morning, don't plan to have two hour, two hour long quiet time. Because let me tell you, you're not going to do it. Okay? 6 a.m. to like 7.30 quiet time every single day. If you plan it right now in your head, let me tell you, not going to happen. Okay? <laughs> Take baby steps. You know, if you didn't have, if you didn't have a quiet time that just existed in your life, you're not going to just jump into an ocean. You're going to take baby steps. You're going to learn to get into it. You know, because I told you, you're used to corporate type of prayer, worship, Bible study, and things like that. I'm just assuming maybe some of you are experts in this, whatever. But, you know, so baby steps into it. Plan Jesus dates. Wednesday evening is my free night. Go to a cafe. I will spend two hours with him conversing with him, reading the scripture, diving into the word of God, and I'll actually do it. Make it happen. Once a week, while you got it off, you know, you got it checked off for three weeks, then you got it down. You know, that's how you start. Make it into something realistic, something fun, something that you'll want to do, you know. So I love cafes, so I um, plan my Jesus dates at my, at the cafes that I want to check out. That kind of like makes me want to go there. And it kind of makes me feel like I'm going on a date or something. You know what I'm saying? So uh, make it into something that you will want to do. You know, don't plan it like completely out of the ordinary, you know, completely out of the way of your loop. That's really going to discourage you more than anything else. So keep that in mind. Uh, set aside time and not just setting aside time, but this is what I really want to emphasize is that you got to lead your soul. You gotta be leader of that time. Okay? What I mean by that is, sometimes, let me be honest, leading a group of, um, whatever, I, I, at church at New Philly, I lead prayer times on every, on uh, every Sunday. So right after the praise time, I go up and I do like exhortation, I like shout out stuff, good stuff though. And then I, <laughs> I tell people to pray for topics and you know, I lead the time, uh, every single Sunday. Let me be completely honest with you. It's easier to lead a group of 300 adults to pray than to command my soul to pray. Complete honesty here. So much easier to tell people to pray and do it together than when I'm in my room by myself and I'm, I'm sitting on my bed and I'm trying to command my soul to pray because I know that these are the things that I, I'm called to pray for so hard. So much harder to control my tongue 
than all these grown-up people. That's the truth, to be honest. So you gotta really show up to that appointment that you set aside with the mentality that I'm gonna lead this time. I'm gonna lead my soul to praise Him. I'm gonna lead my soul to pray. And I'm gonna lead myself to study the Word, not just read. And you need more leadership to lead yourself than to lead others. So it's something that you gotta keep doing to grow in. But some of us, we just never take off. We're still on the ground and we just never take off because, like I said, it's just awkward sometimes, you know? You just don't know what to say. But once you do it, you will get the hang of it. And then you do it again. Take control over your mind. Take, turn off your notifications, you know? If your Instagram, Instagram is on, Facebook's on, Kaka Talk's on, let me tell you, you're not going to be able to have that time with Jesus. You're going to be just busy answering all those things and checking those things, you know, in between and between. And then it's just going to be two hours spent at a cafe on my smartphone, okay? Turn those things off. Get rid of all the, all the distractions and actually lead and control your mind and your soul to do what you, your heart really desires to do, you know? It's not that you guys don't have the desire. You do have the desire. You guys just want to like go and sit at a cafe and don't you just want to like open up your Bible and do something right now? I guess nobody. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's okay. But you know, whenever I hear these messages, I want to just go home and like just be my best side. And I just want to like close my eyes and just talk with Jesus. I hope you guys are feeling that urge. You know, I want to do that. And I want to experience what she's talking about, you know. But I'm telling you, it has to be led by you. Okay. Don't. Don't be frustrated. That's what I'm saying, okay? Even if it's awkward, even if it's a little, uh, you know, what's really funny, guys? When you (laughs) try to worship at home by yourself, you really don't know where to look because there's no lyrics to look at. There's no worship leader, and you are just with your MP3 player or whatever, and uh, your room is just like four walls, and you don't know which way to stand at. You know, you don't know where to raise your hand to, it just feels really awkward. Have you guys ever done that? Have you guys ever done that? Try it today. It's going to just feel really weird. Like, which way? Do I look at the mirror? (laughs) Do I look at the wall? Or do I face the, you know, space? And it just feels really awkward at the beginning. But as you keep doing it, it becomes natural. I'm sure a long time ago, I don't think they looked at the PowerPoints of the lyrics and worshipped. I don't think there was a person with the guitar in front of you and then drummer on the side and, you know, it's not how worship began, but that's what we are kind of accustomed to. But, you know, you create your own worship culture in your room and that's really, really going to be a sweet time. So set aside time and lead your soul to actually do what you desire to do. You know, I'm going to just sing, and I invite you guys to just close your eyes. I um, just want to end with some time of prayer.